Morning, everyone. Thanks, Grace and Adrian. Well, friends, um, let me pray for us as we uh, have a think about this Christmas theme as we're going through and uh, the teaching from God's Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we're going to have together. Uh, Thank you for um, this time of the year, particularly, when we, we get to focus a bit more carefully on the birth of your Son and the coming of the Lord Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for today. Help me to speak clearly and help us to put your words into practice. Amen. Well, when I, um, when I think about uh, Christmas time, I, I come up with theories now and then, and this is my latest theory, okay? I'm going to throw it out at you and you'll see what you think of it. Here it is. Christmas intensifies. Christmas intensifies. I'm going to give you some examples, see how we go. Christmas time, we go from perhaps seeing some of our family now and then to seeing all of our family all at once. Christmas intensifies. Uh, Next one. At Christmas time, we spend a lot of money all at the one time. I don't know if that's you. It seems to be my, that seems to be the case with my wallet anyway. Yes, yes. And then there's the holidays. I'm a, um, I, I love the thrill of the Christmas Eve last minute shopping. Does anyone else love that thrill? <laughs> Come on. John does. I knew John did. <laughs> How good is it? You know, there's that, that adrenaline. You know the shops are going to close. You've only got 15 minutes and you've got four presents to buy. You can do it. Um, <laughs> It's, the, it's the, the thrill of it all. Anyway, let's keep going with my, my theory. Uh, at Christmas time, we tend to travel a lot. Tends to be the case. Uh, throughout most of the year, most of us, well, for most of us, the thought of decorating our houses both inside and outside, uh, <clears throat> that we would recoil at that idea. But at Christmas time, no, 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 we light up. We, we decorate. We use tinsel. Christmas intensifies. At Christmas time, we appreciate friends and family more, more than we have over the last year. But of course, that's, uh, it's not necessarily bad, is it? These are, these are good things. And actually, they're, they're quite lovely things about Christmas. They're, Christmas reminds us of the good things we have, and uh, it's a time of celebration and thankfulness. That's a good thing. But there is a flip side to this theory, isn't there? Christmas time for many of us also reminds us of the not so good things. For many of us, Christmas time is like this it makes good things better and it makes hard things harder. So, our, our loneliness, feelings of loss, uh, missed loved ones, sickness, hurting, depression. At Christmas time, Pain doesn't take a holiday. Uh, It doesn't care about what day it is in the calendar. At Christmas time, for many of us, those things are intensified. They're they're magnified even. But here's the good news today. It's good news. As we celebrate Christmas, the coming of Jesus into the world, God has something to say to those who find Christmas tough. Now, we don't have... um, We don't have an answer that will satisfy all our questions. But God has something to say to those of us right now who think, well, peace on earth, as we might sing in some of these carols, well, that's that's just a, a dream that's, well, far too good to be true. 
Here's the first thing we want to say, is that uh, the first thing that Christians, the Christian story teaches us for those who find Christmas tough, it is that God has come to us. In fact, God has, God has more than just something to say, doesn't he? God has acted in history, <clears throat> in person, uh, in our world, for us. For those who are hurting, for those who are anxious, for those who feel on the outer, for those when told to share some Christmas cheer and get into the holiday spirit, all you want to do is curl up in a little ball and be alone. Uh, God has acted. His son has come into the world. God has come to us. So Matthew 1 verse 23, it's up on the screen there. The angel uh, said to to, um, Joseph, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So not only is God not distant and, or, or detached from our experience, but by coming to us, God reveals himself to us personally, uh, in person, if you like. So John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God, But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Friends, don't think for one second, please, that God is not interested in you. Don't do that. He would not have come to us if he was not interested in you. If that were not the case. A number of years back while I was at university, I was a boarding house master at a rich posh, expensive private school on Sydney's North Shore. Um, It had a gymnasium three times the size of my house. Anyway, uh, it was was pretty amazing stuff. Boarding school, for those who don't know, boarding school is um, is where the boys, it was a boys boarding school, the boys don't go home when school is done. Uh, For the day, they live at school. Now, for some of you, you might think, well, that sounds like a prison. Well, yes, but it's a very expensive prison. I assure you. Uh, it costs a lot of money to be a boarder at one of these schools. But there are a couple... Uh, now, usually what happens is the boys come from a distance. They, they are the country boys or something like that. A lot of them uh, come from the Southern Highlands, for example, or even further afield. So it really makes sense for them to live at school if mum and dad can afford it. But there, are a couple, there were a couple boys in the boarding house that I looked after that actually lived in the same suburb of the school just down the road. You could almost see their parents' houses or house. Uh, now, maybe they had good reasons for this. I don't know. I wasn't, but I really wasn't so sure. I, I was, it's actually quite sad in the end, and I was saddened by it. It seemed as if the parents were not interested in them. And to me, it was plain enough that if that was true, then their sons likewise would not be interested in their parents. I wonder if we think sometimes that God has just put us here and gotten on with his business, like the parents at these posh private sporting schools, that, that we are a little uninteresting to God. You know, and then, but if we were to think that, if we were to make that mistake, well, it, it, would, it wouldn't be surprising if we came to the conclusion that, that uh, well, it wouldn't be surprising if we were uninterested in God, would it? See, God is our Heavenly Father who doesn't drop us off at the school gate and say, see you next term, or see you at the end of term. He's involved in our lives. He's interested in us. He became one of us. 
And so he, he knows what it's like to be one of us. He gets it. But what exactly does he know? Well, not only does God know what it's like to be a child, God knows what it's like to be a teenager. He knows what it's like to have parents. He knows what it's like to have friends. He knows what it's like to work. He knows what it's like to have responsibilities. God knows those things. But God also knows what it's like to suffer. Perhaps you've asked God some strong questions. Maybe you've done it recently. Maybe, and good questions by the way, fair questions, but there's good answers too. Maybe you've asked God these questions only over the last year. Who knows? How can you understand my pain? What would you know about losing someone you love? When have you ever felt betrayed and rejected? When have you ever suffered? Well, you see, as we read our Bibles, as we, as we understand the Christmas story even, it soon becomes clear that God could well ask us, well, who understands pain better than me? Who knows more about losing someone you love more than me? Who has ever felt as betrayed and rejected as me? The very centre of the Christian faith is the God who has suffered. I want you to think about this. Think about God's story for a moment, will you? So God created the universe and he made us the focus of his attention. However, we rejected him and, and, and he suffered the loss of our friendship. The Bible calls that sin. To restore us, he sent his own, very own son who gave up his position of honour and glory and power and became one of us. He became a man, Jesus. Jesus healed people. He showed compassion on them. Uh, he cared for them. He offered them forgiveness. Eventually, people turned on him. Even his closest friends abandoned him. He ended up nailed to a Roman cross, bleeding, suffering and dying for us all, even those who hated him. When we look at the cross, in the midst of our suffering, the one conclusion we cannot come to is that God doesn't understand. We can't come to that conclusion. That God can't empathise. Not sympathise. Empathise means he's been there. Let me ask you a question then as we think about this. If you were designing a God, so get creative for a minute, will you? Just in your head now. Design a God. So what, would his pain and sorrow and rejection be part of the formula of your God? Now, if I was honest with you, I'd probably say, no, I'd want a, no, 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 I wouldn't want that sort of God. I'd, I'd want a super, I'd want a success story type of God, you know? I'd want a superhero God. That'd be pretty good. Like in the Marvel comics or the Marvel movies. If I was really honest with you, I'd want a God like Thor. Thor's cool and he's funny and handsome and all that sort of stuff. That's a pretty cool God. But I tell you, this sort of, that sort of God could never feel the pain of sick people. He hasn't been there. He could never um, cry out with the girl who's been abused. He wouldn't feel sympathy for the bloke whose parents hate each other and take it out on him. He couldn't understand the pain of loneliness or depression or loss. However... The God spoken of in the Bible does feel our pain. He can fully sympathise because he became man and suffered. Friends, the good news 
that we are reminded of in the Christmas story is that because the Emmanuel, Jesus, has come and suffered, God can offer something that we won't find anywhere else. God offers comfort, real comfort, and real hope. Now let's look at those two things now. God offers comfort. See, imagine, imagine trying to help someone suffering the loss of a loved one, and say in a car accident, and you, you say to them, well, they died because of the bad karma of a past life, and you are now suffering for the same reason. Well, that's, that's Hinduism. Or, or by saying the pain you are experiencing is just an illusion, you need to escape it. Well, that's Buddhism. Or the, the cold, hopelessness, compassionless worldview of atheism. What's well, just the randomness of the universe? And suffering is a natural, unhappy product of the universe. That's atheism. But Jesus is different, isn't he? Jesus is very different. We're actually invited into a relationship with God who knows what it's like to be scarred. He's the man of sorrows. He can bring comfort to the suffering person because he's been there first. The suffering person knows that that he or she is not alone in her sufferings. We read, we read a few moments ago, um, Grace read it to us, 2 Corinthians 1. Um, we'll pick it up from verses 3 and 4. I've got it up on the screen there. But I want you to notice too the purpose of God's comfort to us. That is that we can comfort others. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. See the purpose there? Actually, another purpose too about the comfort God gives us. C.S. Lewis um, spoke of... uh, He spoke because of God's... the the comfort that God offered to us or offers to us, uh, tough times bring us closer to God. He says... This is where the quote comes in. Uh, Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It's good, isn't it? I think it's it's really good. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I think pain ought to bring us closer to God, to depend on him and trust trust his comfort and accept the comfort he offers us. What about this other one? Uh, God offers us hope. It's, it's a sure and certain future that a Christian has in Jesus. And that's good news in a doubtful and uncertain world. It's got to be one of the most common promises, if we can really call them that, that politicians make. They make promises about the future. It's very, very common, really. Uh, let me give you a few examples of what I mean. These are slogans that have, uh, dis- that, that have been used in political campaigns over the years. They all focus on the future because that's what most people are worried about. Most people are worried about the future and people who are in pain and going through tough times, they worry about the future as well as the present. Anyway, you remember, was it last, this was last year, uh, Malcolm Turnbull's Jobs and Growth, Jobs and Growth. Now, I don't want to get too political here, so I'll get in trouble. Someone will accuse me of something. I'm just going to try to be even-handed. 
a preacher should never get political. Um, and Labor responded by saying, we'll put people first. Again, there's a bit of a focus on the future, isn't there? Uh, in 2013, Labor used the slogan, a new way. Clearly that's about the future. Um, and then in 2010, I'm pretty sure this was Julia Gillard, but I didn't bother looking it up, but I could just hear the tone of her voice. She has a particular tone, <laughs> put it that way. Um, Together, let's move forward. Is that Julia Gillard? She said a lot. She talked a lot about moving forward. Um, well, uh, uh, John Howard's um, slogan in 2004 about Labor, don't take the risk. And, of course, he was referring to Mark Latham. Uh, don't take the risk with Mark Latham. The only thing I remember about Mark Latham was that handshake. If you don't know it, don't worry about it. Um, I do love Labor's cry in 1977. Uh, I'm not sure if the two, these two slogans are linked. They, they, they are, uh, get Australia working, uranium, play it safe. I'm still trying to work out how those go together, but anyway, that's okay. And then the, the probably most famous one, I think, if going back a few years now, was Gough Whitlam's famous It's Time. There's a catchy jingle with it. If you're, if you're too young, it's worth Googling it or YouTube it and have a look. It's this great little song that went along with it and everyone got, yeah, they, he did well, didn't he, for a time. Um, but the Liberals cried out in response to Gough's It's Time with, right today, right for your future. Right today, right for your future. We do get a bit worried about our future, particularly when we're going through tough times. But here's the truth. The truth is, though, is that what is right today and what is right for your future is Jesus. His promises are always kept. His promises are always sure. So a follower of Jesus, even in the midst of pain and sorrow and confusion, can have a sure and certain hope. Heaven, Isaiah 65, we read it before, the prophecy that's fulfilled in Revelation 21 that we'll talk about in a moment. Isaiah 65 says, The former things will not be remembered, for they will uh, nor will they come to mind. And Revelation 21, speaking of that same prophecy from Isaiah uh, way back in the 8th century BC, John has his vision of, of heaven and he describes his new creation and new, new earth a place where God is and all tears will be wiped away. No more tears or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. God promises that things will get better. It's a real and certain hope. One day, the pain we know so well will disappear and we can know that promise is sure because Emmanuel has come. Emmanuel has died and he's risen. In 1995, um, Emmylou Harris uh, sung a cover version of um, the Julie Miller song, All My Tears. I reckon um, Emmylou Harris did it better. Musically, it covers all genres of music, country and western. Um, that's a joke, don't worry. I feel it was just as bad as that in 8am. Um, <laughs> here's... Um, the, I really think the words are fantastic. The words encapsulate the real and certain hope of heaven. Uh, it's a great song. I encourage you to go and um, listen to it. I'm not going to play it for you today, but I'll read these words. When I go, don't cry for me. In my Father's arms I'll be. The wounds this world left on my soul will all be healed and I'll be whole. Sun and moon will be replaced with the light of Jesus' face. 
and I will not be ashamed, for my Saviour knows my name. It don't matter where you bury me, I'll be home and I'll be free. It don't matter where I lay, all my tears will be washed away. There's the Christian hope. It's not a cross your fingers hope. It's real and certain because Emmanuel has come, Emmanuel has died, and Emmanuel has risen. It's a great tune, isn't it? It's a a great tune. Google it when you get home. Um, The words are better because they remind us of the truths that we read in God's word. Let's tie a few things together and close. Um, Yes, for Christmas, at Christmas time, Christmas intensifies. Uh, It can make good things better and hard things harder. For some of us, Christmas is tough. So how do we respond? How do we respond to this? I want to mention a few practicalities and then we'll pray together. The first thing we ought to say, though, if this resonates with you, if Christmas is tough for you, for whatever reason it might be, there's lots of reasons, then talk to someone, won't you? Uh, I'd love it if you talked to me, but talk to someone. As a church, let's make sure that no one's left out. Try hard to do that. The only way you do that is go around and talk to people. Make sure no one's left out at Christmas. Make sure no one's alone. Second, listen. Lean in. Uh, Be interested in their lives. Listen to them. Remind your friend who is struggling that they are loved and valued by you and by God. And talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. He's the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep, who refreshes my soul, who who guides my path As Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, the promise of Jesus is he is with us, his rod and his staff, they comfort us. I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Father, as we're just about to sing, um, we thank you, Lord, that you are indeed the rock of ages and that we can trust in you and that we can depend on you. Lord, we thank you... um, Uh, that you have come to us in Jesus, Emmanuel. We thank you that Jesus died and then he rose again. And Lord, that gives us great comfort because he knows what it's like to be us. But Lord, also gives us comfort because Jesus has reserved a place for those who follow him where all tears and mourning and crying and pain will be gone. The old order of things wiped away. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the real and certain hope you give us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing that song now, uh, Rock of Ages. Why don't you stand up?